Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the word. Now, when I was up doing announcements, I noticed some people fanning themselves. Are you guys hot? Would you like a fan? <laughs> if somebody could like take care of at least put a, the fan on that circulates the air in here, that would be cool. I don't, Tom, would you do that? Yeah, thanks. There's a lot of fanning people. We don't want anybody passing out in the service. Don't get blamed for that. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> I hope you guys are excited to be here today because I know I am. Because the cool thing is, is God wants us to know him and know him personally. See, we can get caught up in coming in and singing and welcoming and going through the, the motions of church and miss God completely. And he doesn't want that. I mean, you look at our, our society today and, you know, God is being marginalized, God is being marginalized, God is being marginalized. And it's scary to think, wow, what is a world going to look like that isn't founded and built on godly principles? That those things aren't commonplace for us. It's pretty scary when we think about it. And, and that's, we're going to find out in a minute, you know, we're looking at Elijah and the prophets of Baal and, and what was happening in the time of the society then. But before we get into that, <laughs> there were a group of scientists. And they were finally at this place where it's like, you know, I think we've finally gotten to the place where we really don't need God anymore. You know, we, we can create life and we can clone people and we, we can do all of these things. So I think we need to kind of vote for a representative and go tell God, you know what? You can retire. We're all set. So they finally choose somebody and they send him on his way. And uh, he comes before the Lord and it's like, you know, Lord, we, we finally figured out that, you know, you provided everything. You know, we, we, we don't need you anymore. We've got all this stuff. The Lord patiently listened. He says, well, why do you think that? And he's like, well, we can clone people and we can create things and we can send people to the moon and we, we can continue to do all this stuff on our own. We really don't need you. And God said, wow, okay. Well, how about this? How about, before we make this decision, we have a, a little contest. He's like, Let, let's create a man, but create a man the old-fashioned way, just the way I did, like Adam. And he was like, sure, we can do that, not a problem. So he reaches down and he grabs, the scientist does, he grabs a, a big handful of dirt, and the Lord looks at him and he goes, oh, no, 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 no. Get your own dirt. <laughs> See, we think we have all these things and they're ours, but God is the creator of it all. And we have to give him that place in our life. And we have to be reminiscent on a daily basis. I mean, I don't know about you, but the volume in our world has gotten so loud. And it just wants to drown out that there is a God and that he is preeminent. And we have got to daily remind ourselves that that is really not the truth. So, Elijah, the contest, or 1 Kings 17 and 18. Uh, if you ha don't have your own Bible or a version of that, where there's some in the chairs there, page 410 is where we're going to start. We're not going to cover a lot of the text from 17 to 18, but we will hit some high points. Now, as a point of background, 
Uh, let's see, Ahab and Jezebel, they are the, the political people, they are the rulers over the time. Jezebel is the daughter of a, a very heathen king of the Sidonians. Um, and the interesting part here is the worship of Jehovah was just about to become extinct in the land. Baal worship was so prevalent and had become such a focus that there was this tipping point that God had to uh, speak into. Uh, the struggle between Baalism and Judaism came to a head on Mount Carmel when the prophet Elijah met the priests of Baal and slew 450 of them. Now, interesting, Ahab at that point in history was the most evil ruler of his time. Evil, evil, evil. And by his side was his wife Jezebel, who was an ambitious and passionate idolatress and promoter of Baal and Ashtoreth. So we have this building in, in the society in which these people live. And then 1 Kings 17, verse 1, Elijah shows up. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, <clears throat> As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, just so you know, that's kind of why the water's here. We're going to speak to that issue later. The Poland Springs guy wasn't confused and didn't leave it here. So we'll, we'll talk about the water in, in a little while. But now between 17 and 18, three years pass. And it's not just three typical years. There is drought and there is famine. And what's going on there is changing. So now we pick it up in chapter 18, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. Skip down to, to uh, verse 17. Then it happened. When Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, Isn't that interesting? I find that interesting. You know, here's someone speaking for the Lord. Here's the most evil person. And he's like trying to call out Elijah for speaking truth. It's very interesting how that always happens. But anyways, Ahab saw Elijah said, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, have followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal, and for the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So here we have the most evil king ruling in the land, Judaism at a point of extinction, a three-year famine and drought, and a prophet who is sent by God to speak into this issue. Now, interesting part. When we lived in California, we lived in Palmdale, which is considered high desert. And there are these wacky looking trees that are called Joshua trees. And we found out the only other place they are is in Israel. And so I, the climate in Palmdale, California, and Israel is very similar. The temperatures go up and down at a significant rate. But the cool thing, the part that I loved about living in the high desert, was if you don't water it, it doesn't grow. I, I'm here and I am battling on a daily basis what's growing into my yard and encroaching into my yard. I've literally cut back stuff for years and years and years to finally have a front yard. I mean, we used to have this little postage stamp as a front yard when we first moved in because it just grows. But there, doesn't happen. So water is a crucial, crucial element 
of the land. And so here it's like, oh, three years without rain, oh, that'd be great, right? Because <laughs> we think, oh, it's not really that big of a deal. But in a society and in a place where water is that significant, three years, I mean, you talk about just blowing dust. It's interesting, we used to go out to Mojave. Now Mojave is where they do a lot of testing because there's flash floods out there which hit the ground and then when it all dries, it's like cement, solid, smooth and everything. And they go out there and test cars and all kinds of stuff because of how it is, because there's nothing to hit. There is no growth, there's no vegetation, there's nothing. It's just dirt, 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 dirt for miles and miles and miles. And so I can't even imagine what this looked like after three years. I mean, not even due. Not even due. So there was no kind of hydration there. And so it must have been a, a very dire time. And now Elijah is going to speak into this issue, and, and water becomes another significant element to this, this thing that we're going to look at coming forward. Now, Albert Einstein said, if I were to remain silent, I'd be guilty of complicity. Let that sink in for just a second. If I were to remain silent, I'd be guilty of complicity. If you're calling yourself a Christian today, if you would label yourself as a believer, and we are not speaking up for the Lord, are we not speaking against him? We have got to be the voice that speaks into this world today. There, there's so much going on where, again, God is being marginalized. He's trying to be cut out of our society. And we have got to be that voice that speaks into it that says, no, there is a God. And yes, he is the true God. And he is the one who has saved my life and changed my life and has done so many things. That voice is becoming more and more silent. And that, that can't be spoken of us. We can't let that happen. Because if we stay silent, we agree with the, the masses, don't we? Because we're not speaking against And I'm not saying we need to become crazy people who are against everything. I'm not saying that. But we need to start talking in, in terms and in ways where the world sees Christ in us. But he's not missed. He's not marginalized. All right. Moving on. God's people cannot remain silent. We have got to speak out. When God's at work, you cannot help but talk about it. I don't know about you, but when I see God's hand, I am energized. When I see him at work, when I see things happen, how do you hold that kind of stuff in? So I think what we need to do as believers is say, okay, how do I live in such a way where as God works in my life, I am communicating that. I am letting that out. I am letting people know. All right, verse 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, Not a word. There's that silence. They were not standing up for anything. They're just standing in the middle, trying to be neutral. And as believers, we cannot be a neutral people. 
We've got to stand for the Lord on the Lord's side. I mean, you think about it. If you're here today and you're calling yourself a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And basically, they're, they're, the world wants to negate your existence, your belief system, your principles that you live by. They want to say, no, they don't work. And no, they're meaningless. And why would you want to live that way? We've got to stand up for that. And again, not in a haughty way. Not in a belligerent way. But as Christ did, with love and grace and mercy, in such a way where people can see the difference. Isaiah 62, 6. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. There are ways that we can infuse God into our daily life, infuse God into our daily discussions with people where they start to see him and they start to hear him. We've got to be about that. Or we're going to be in the same place where God is going to be almost a non-existent discussion in our world. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Catch that. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's, that's our duty. That's our place. And the cool part is, I think what happens is, is we get so overwhelmed with trying to figure out, how do we do that? And God says, no, 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 don't try to figure it out. Trust me. Rely on me. I mean, we're going to see where Elijah, all of the power that Elijah had was God working in his life, God working through his life. It really wasn't Elijah at all. And we've got to adopt that same attitude where we really see that it's like, it's not us that's doing this, it's God that's working through this. And sometimes we can say things in a way that people catch it and God can use it. I mean, that happens to me. Every time I'm up here, I'll, you know, we have a sermon, whatever, and people will talk to me after, and they said, oh, when you said this and when you said that, and I was like, I'm amazed at how the Holy Spirit uses just certain words, certain phrases, certain mindsets to touch people's hearts and to move in their life. And that's why we can't try to figure it out. We can't try to manufacture a certain kind of process. We just have to live out loud in such a way where God is living through us, God is living in our lives, and we're open to being used by him, and we're working with him and praying to him for that opportunity. Use me, speak through me into the, the circumstances of today, to the people that are going to be in front of me, so that you aren't marginalized in my life today. How effective is your daily representation of God? Do people see it? Can they feel God's presence? Do your actions and attitudes reflect who God is? Can people see him in your life, hear him in your plans? Or would it be labeled as silent? Cannot be. It cannot be. Secondly, God's people do not worship in the flesh. Verse 22. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. 
Therefore, let them give us two bulls. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood. But put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it's well spoken. So now we have this circumstance that's starting to build, and we have this tension that's starting to happen because there is this now contest between the prophet of God and the prophets of Baal. And which one is the true God? And Elijah's goal here is to not just prove it, but to prove it in such a way that it cannot be missed and it cannot be spoken about poorly. For us, we need to realize as representatives or ambassadors for God, we cannot remain silent about who he is. Just as Elijah did, we've got to speak into the world when it talks about God or tries to eliminate God or his principles. We have the knowledge and the understanding of being reconciled to God. Why would we want to keep silent about that? All right. God's people do not worship in the flesh, which we're going to learn in a moment, because that's what we saw happen here with Baal worship. It was so flesh-based, it was so emotionally charged, and it was about the people and not about the Lord at all. Verse 25, it says, Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bowl for yourselves. And again, he's just saying the same thing again. Prepare it first for you. Call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bowl which was given to them. They prepared it, called on the name of Baal from morning till evening, I'm sorry, till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered, and they leapt about the altar which they had made. How can this be the most prevalent religion in the country? How? I mean, I sat, I think about this, and I think about this often too, you know, what people believe. And how can they believe that? What kind of faith must it take to believe some of the things that are out there, the things that people get connected to? It, it, it kind of blows my mind. But it happens. And then I go back to, okay, so what's the motivation? See, I know for me, God asked me to do things that are hard, that are outside of my comfort zone, that bring him glory, that bring him honor. And it's out of my control. It's completely in his. And we struggle with that as a people. We want to have control of the circumstances. We want to know the outcome. We want to see where, if we go down this road, this is where I'm going to end up. I want to know that. And we found out way back when he talked to Abraham, all he says is, I want you to go. And be willing to go. That's scary stuff. We don't like that. I don't know what's down the road. I don't know where we're going. Baal worship, it was about licentiousness. It was about personal involvement. It was about what they wanted to do. But also there was this crazy element of sacrifice where you know, they would cut their bodies and they would bleed and, and, and 
try to appeal to the gods. The gods, that's the thing. Baals is technically plural. Because there were multiple gods that kind of fell under Baal worship. And they named them later on, if you follow through past kings and on like that. But Baal worship kept them in bondage to themselves. Because it was all on them. It was all on their, their level of, you know, well, I'll do this, and I'll do this, and I'll do this, and I'll, I'll, even, I'll even cut and bleed. And it was a bondage to something that wasn't even real, that couldn't even speak into their life. Yet, they thought they were in complete control of their destiny. Now, it's funny. This next section, I love it, because it, it just it reveals... To me, it's like, you know, sarcasm is totally revealed in the Bible. So it's like, I feel a little bit more, <laughs> I'm a pretty sarcastic person. If you know me, you know that. Um, so it's like, I could hear the, the little Yiddish voice going off <laughs> as this comes down. So in verse 27, it says, And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked him and said, You want you should cry aloud? <laughs> For he is a God! Either he is meditating or he's busy or oh, maybe he's on a journey. Maybe you should yell louder. I love it. It's not working. He might be sleeping. Vanji should get even louder. Wake him up. He's a god. He's busy. So they cried aloud, cut themselves, as was their custom. And if that was their custom. See, they had created this form of worship because it suited them for whatever reason. I don't understand it. The last thing I would want to do is cut my body with knives and lancets. I mean, I don't even like getting blood work done, let alone doing something like this. Their blood gushed out on them, and when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Nothing was happening. How can this be? This is the dominant religion of the land. This was the one true God in their mind. And they were eliminating Worship to Jehovah, which in a minute you're going to see, Elijah had to rebuild the altar to Jehovah God because it was completely unused. Because Baal worship was the dominant. How crazy can that be? We cannot walk in here on a Sunday morning fueled by the flesh. You're like, well, what does that mean? We, we cannot afford to go through the motions and just thinking showing up is enough. We, we have got to have a unified mind that God built this body. Look around the people. The people that are here, God drew here. It's intentional. It's not accidental. Uh, you know, I'm amazed. I pray every week about our sign out there. It's a crazy little plastic sign. And people say, I just saw that sign and I felt compelled to pull in. Countless people, probably some of you, that, that was your, that's your story. God uses simple things 
to draw people here to create this body for a reason intentionally. Intentionally. And so to just come in and go through the motions and not get connected to people, you're missing out. There is a spiritual element that we need to understand, and there's a dynamic that goes on that as we get connected to people, it changes who we are. You know, we had a guy's mini golf thing last night. You start to understand people when you spend time with people. You understand their personalities, you understand their strengths and weaknesses, and you enjoy the Spirit of God in the process. In the process, there we go. But we've got to do that in the spirit. We can't just go through the motions. And you're like, okay, Dave, you keep saying that. What do you mean? You've got to do these things with God and not apart from God. You're like, all right, that sounds great. What does that mean? We, we've got to join with God through our time and devotions, through our time in prayer, through how we live our lives. And again, those things, it's easy for them to become mechanical. It's easy for those things to become just something we do. But there's a bigger plan going on, and we've got to understand that, that God is at work doing other things than just having church once a week. He wants to call us up to something bigger. He wants to call us up to something more because there's a world out there that is turning their back on him and we know him, we know him intimately, and we know how to have a relationship with them and we've got to start sharing that with the world. And that starts with the person in the grocery line that, that you see every week or somebody at the bank or your mail carrier. Oh, it's like you have to change all those words now, right? You can't say just mailman. Hello. Bane of my existence right here. This thing always has it out for me every week. Drop the mic. That's what God was saying. Drop the mic right there. <laughs> but it's like we see people on a regular basis that do we know their spiritual place in life? Do we understand if they know Christ? Do we understand if something were to happen to them where they would spend the rest of their life? We have something they need. And we have got to be vocal about it. And we have got to be open about it. We cannot stay silent. We cannot stay living in the flesh. All right. John 4, 23 and 24 up there. But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Philippians 3.3 For we are the real circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And see, here's where the rubber meets the road, because the flesh is going to say, oh, don't talk to that person. Oh, don't say anything. Don't put yourself out there. Don't get labeled as a fanatic. Don't get labeled as a Christian. Don't go down that road. Just stay silent. And that can work sometimes. But how much more effective if you speak out? How much more effective if you joined with the Father, come to somebody, and just have a conversation with them, and see where it goes? 
and infuse your walk with God into that. Not in a way that's offensive, not in a way where you're condemning, not in a way where you're pointing, not in a way where you're judging, but with love and care and concern. I figured it out. The hard part in that is that takes time. We can't just blow through the store. We can't just blow through the bank. We can't just move through things quickly like we do. I don't know about you, my life is nuts. I mean, I can do boom, 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 go to this place, go to that place, and I can go through, and now we have self-checkout, so I don't even have to talk to people. And <laughs> It's fun sometimes. I mean, I've got weird things. I'm like, ah, oh, it's a plan, right? It's like, well, we're never going to talk to a person again. I always go into the bank because I want someone to know. <laughs> I ever need my money. Someone knows me, and they know that I have money in that bank. So I always go into the bank. I'm warped, sorry. <laughs> but think about it. Think about it if the person who brought Christ to you was silent, did not move in the spirit, and I don't know about you, and maybe you, you, this happens to you, maybe it doesn't, but for me, I am prompted in my heart so often to go say something to this person or say something to that person or just introduce yourself here or just introduce yourself there. And in my head, I'm like, that is just stupid. These people are going to think I'm a wacko. So what? <laughs> we are called to a specific duty here, ambassadors for Christ. And how will they know if we do not say a word? We have got to listen to those promptings of the Spirit in our heart. When we are pushed, when we are shoved, when we are kind of, <laughs> go talk, go do something, go speak into this. It's hard. I get it. It's challenging. But do you want to see God work in front of your face? Do you want to see him change a life, change a heart, change a mind? He wants us to be a part of that process. That's the whole ambassador element. We have an opportunity to partner with God and see people change. I mean, that... that blesses my heart beyond anything. Because it's like, you can see somebody come to Christ and grow in him and be a person who is able to do almost anything. When they listen to the Lord, when they feel the prompting, move them in a way that's going to change the circumstances and situation. But we've got to do that in the spirit. See, in the flesh... We're not going to hear those things. We're just going to make sure we kind of have our checklist of, yeah, I went to church, yeah, I did devotions, yeah, I said this, said that, you know, took a selfie, said something spiritual on it, da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> that hit somebody funny. And think we're okay. And again, I, I don't want you to feel guilty here. This is not about guilting you into being a witness for Christ. This is about having a spiritual dynamic in your life that will give you a hunger and a passion to live out this life differently. That's what I want you to hear today. Don't hear, oh, I'm failing. Oh, I'm not doing this. Don't hear that. I I'm not here to say, oh, you're bad, naughty, naughty, naughty. No, it's easy to let life take us. 
It's easy to let the circumstances dictate our day. It's easy for those things to, to totally overwhelm us. And that's the plan for us to get so focused on the circumstances. You know, downstairs they're talking about Peter and Jesus and, you know, him walking out on the water. And I think sometimes we lose sight of Christ and we start to sink and that's all we can think about is what's going on. But there's a dynamic that can happen in our life. And, and I want you to understand that there's just, there's more to the Christian life than just showing up to church and just being a nice person and just doing some good stuff. So much more. And it comes when we start to live in the spirit and not by the flesh. It's available to us. And we settle sometimes for just what we get out of the daily routine and what we get out of the week and we think it's enough. But I just want you to know that there is so much more. All right, let's move on before I go too far down the road. Let's see, worshiping in the flesh is about mechanics or content in your worship and the personal energy that you bring to it. Uh, worshiping in the spirit and truth is about nothing preventing you from meeting with God to magnify and honor him in your life. I want that so much. That has been my passion for so long. To know him deeply. I mean, think about it. Do you just want to like know God? Or do you want to know God? It's available. Sometimes we think, well, well, we'll know God when we're in heaven. We'll know God in that time. No, it's available and possible now. To know him and to hear his voice. I, there's a guy I'm mentoring and he's like, he's really struggling. He's like, I want to hear God and why don't I hear him and what's going on? And I'm like, I know what your life is like and it's too loud. And he's like, what are you talking about? Our lives are loud. There's a lot going on. And he speaks in a small, still voice. And we've got to have that time with him. We've got to have that time away. Even Christ got away from the masses and went to a quiet place in a mountain so he could talk to dad. Don't let the world rob you of a deep, rich relationship with the Heavenly Father. Don't let it happen. All right. God's people cannot remain silent. God's people do not worship in the flesh. Thirdly, God's people will not reject the word of the Lord. They will trust God's instruction. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the names of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, sorry. And he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs of seed, which is six gallons. Okay, so one and a little bit more. And he put the wood in order, cut the bowl in pieces, and laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. 
And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all down the altar. And then he also filled the trench with water. So here's the thing. He wanted to make a point. It's dry as dirt. It's dust and what? And we're going to saturate this sacrifice. So there's no chance that a little spark will start a wildfire. There's no chance of this thing ever igniting. Not a chance. I'm going to go. They'll experience God's power. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Even in this, Elijah is compassionate. Like, just turn your hearts back to the Lord. Just see who he is. See who he wants to be in your life. Don't be given to Baal. Verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood and the stones and the dust, all of it was licked up, and the water that was in the trench Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Unbelievable. And Elijah made it a point that there was no question. There were no tricks going on here. There was no magic. God showed up. And that's what he wants to do in our life. And that's when we're at that that point. And that's where I I think we get challenged. Because sometimes we are willing to listen to that prompting, but we never take that first step. And then we go, see, God really wasn't there. But until you take the step, until you are in the position, until God needs to show up, he's going to wait. He's going to wait. When it comes to comparing our God with anyone or anything else, there really is no contest. There's no contest of who God is. I've got a list of a bunch of his attributes up there. It's not exhaustive. But let's not forget who he is. Let's not forget who he is. He wants to work in our lives in such a way That we know him personally, intimately, with depth and breadth and understanding. And we cannot settle. We cannot settle for living this out in the flesh. It's going to take a spiritual endeavor. Where are you at today? How do you see God? See, that's where it really, that's where the rubber meets the road. How do you see God? 
Elijah knew who God was personally, intimately. He knew that God was going to show up. God was going to do this. We have some background of how God had already worked in his life. If you read chapter 17, and if you go forward, God does some even more amazing things in Elijah's life. Keep following the story. It's incredible. But do you believe that if you step out in faith, again, as a believer, reaching out to other people, do you believe that God will show up? See, I think sometimes we, we take it all on our own shoulders. We think, oh, I've got to manufacture this. I've got to make sure I don't say anything wrong. I've got... And God's like, no. Just be my ambassador. I will do it through you. I've been in situations where things just... God is, and it's God speaking to me, a specific word, a specific phrase, or something. It'll just come in my mind. And if I speak it, the person goes, oh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Or that's exactly what I was talking about. See, God knows this stuff. And we have that opportunity to tap into that. But we cannot stay silent. We cannot walk in the flesh. We have got to trust what God has to say about living this life here and now. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we're thankful, Lord, that you have provided your word such a rich gift to us. Lord, it helps us understand your heart and your mind and your passion for your people, for us individually. Lord, may we be your ambassadors in this time where you're, you're Name is being marginalized. It's being pushed out of our society. Father, help us to live with strength, your strength, not our own, and power. To be witnesses that go to the uttermost parts, Lord, however that may happen. However you would see fit for that to happen. We thank you. We praise you for who you are, for how you work. And Lord, let us walk out of here changed today because of the work of your spirit and your word in our life. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.